Welcome into the second Dubcast. Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter here with you. Um, you know, buddy, we, we had a lot of fun, and we try to have fun. on. That's the idea of this. But uh, on the <laughs> day that we taped this today, you know, I'm so numb to the Paterno story because it has been going on for what seems like eons. Uh, well, literally years, though, five right? years. Like, Well, in this case, back to 1976, apparently, this has been Right, um, it, right. There, and it's, I remember being on the radio in Columbus when it broke, and it was impossible to have a dialogue on it because... There is no way that you could come down any way other because these are the most heinous acts that have happened in relationship to big-time college football. I mean, aside from the murder at Baylor, and this is maybe yeah. worse because it lasted so much longer and was done so behind this cloak of secrecy for decades. And it, it was involved one of the most thought-to-be-righteous men in college. I mean, this was the grand experiment at Penn State, right? right? Like, this was Ivy League education, or so they thought. And, or so they preach with the football coach who did it the right way. And um, and now today kind of confirmed, I think, Johnny, what we all believed all along. And that was that Joe Paterno uh, knew about this, at least to some degree, before it all blew up in his face towards the end of his tenure. And in this case, all the way back to 1976, if you believe um, the documents that were uncovered by The Washington Post and made public. Um, yeah. Let me just ask you this, because I think there's a, a certain levels of belief and where you are with that. I just want to read this. And I know many of you have probably read this throughout the day or over the last couple of days. Um, but this is incredible to me. Uh, this quote um, from the this was the a 14 year old boy in 1976 from the deposition in 2014. And he's asked, is it accurate that Joe Paterno or that Coach Paterno quickly said to you um, when he approached him about Sandusky's uh, sexual abuse? Uh, the Paterno said, quote, I don't want to hear about any kind of that any kind of that stuff. I've got a football season to worry about. Uh, a lawyer for Penn State's insurance carrier asked the man specifically. Yes, the man replied. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Here's the thing. So I, every time that I think that I have become immune to the story or that I have gotten tired of it just because it's been rehashed a thousand times, the problem with this type of thing, especially as investigations go, is that it's never it never stops, and when you have something that's been going on for decades and decades and decades, I gotta tell you something. There are probably way more uh, things to this story that we know that we don't know about that could potentially be revealed maybe five, ten, yeah. fifteen years down the line as things revealed. It, the the point is though that really bothers me, and and what I was really thinking about today is what does this job of college football coaching do to people? to the point where they can protect someone who is a, you know, a child rapist mm -hmm. for decades. Yeah. At, at what point, how, how do you have a job? How do you live your life every single day knowing that not only could you have stopped someone in the past, but you're essentially abetting this crime for decades? Like, how do you Tremendous wake up point. every morning doing that? That To me, I just, I don't understand what kind of person could handle that. I myself, I'm a mandatory reporter. I, if I hear any kind of thing like this regarding like students or anyone else, I'm required to, by law to report this. I do not know how Joe Paterno, A, lived with himself, and B, maintain that facade of like, yeah, I'm doing things. Like, I just, it blows my mind what this profession does to people. in in so many ways, I just, it, it's, it's crazy. It's a phenomenal me. point. Um, and there have been people who I would consider good people who have been in this profession who have made decisions that benefited their ability to win football games that right. I think if that in a normal situation, of course they would never make those decisions. And um, that's a great point. I think they take the bunker mentality. They believe, I think most of the people that, that coach at this level, at Paterno's level, at Urban's level, at, at Saban's level, most of the people that coach at that level believe that they are doing the most important job in the history of the world. I mean, that's kind of their mentality. Like, there's sure. not a lot of um, there's not a lot of reality there. If, if you've been well, around, well, people are like, telling them that every that's single right, day because too. because Urban Meyer can get anybody on the phone he wants whenever he wants. You know what right. I mean? Like, and Saban's right. the same way. And and they are in they are the the power is enabled to the point that they believe it. And they believe they're bulletproof, and you see it time and time again. Um, this thing is is so heinous and um, so far-reaching, and I, you know, I, it's such a 
the problem is, is that, you know, you know, Paterno's dead, right? So you saw his right. family make the, the comments, you know, this doesn't line up. Does anybody even want to hear it? No, of course not. They just go away, Paterno family. Like, we're done with you right. at this point. Right. Uh, the only people that give a damn about Joe and his wins or his statue are these, uh, at this point, obviously, blinded Penn State fans. Um, yeah. who, who just and, and the, can't see it, I guess, or choose not to, I suppose, because then it would, um, you know, it's kind of like being told that there's Santa Claus or that Santa Claus doesn't exist, you know, like, right. can you, do you really even want to believe it? Yeah. I think at this point, if there's, if there are Penn state fans who have pretty much, you know, stuck their head in the sand, no amount of evidence is convinced them right. that Joe Paterno wasn't, you know, this basically godlike figure to them because I mean, the amount of cognitive dissonance involved in just one incidence of this and, you know, going through Jerry Sandusky's trial, like it's not, it's not something that I think is easily shook and it sucks because I think that maybe says something about just people in general and maybe, you know, sports fandom in general. But um, yeah, I, I think for everyone else, it's pretty, the writing has been on the wall for a long time and this is just another cycle of just, Overall crappiness, I guess you could say. It is, and it, and it reached into our backyard a little bit with uh, former Penn State assistant, Curl Ohio State assistant, Greg Schiano, uh, also yeah. in this today. And I thought Eric did a great job on the site today. Um, we're taping this on Tuesday, and Eric did a great job of getting this stuff on, and the site was awesome. You guys we, we did an awesome job of getting this stuff updated uh, because this happened quickly. And to take people behind the curtain, you texted me when we were discussing what we are going to talk about today, and I hadn't seen it. I was running around with my kids. I hadn't seen that Schiano was named. Um, and then I saw, oh my goodness, like this is nuts. And so the, the, when we go back to the theory of well, who do you believe, Mike McQuarrie, the former Penn State quarterback and Penn State assistant, um, said in here, um, this is a quote from him. He's asked the question, and um, this is the question. said, and did he give you any details about Coach Ciano had reported to him, speaking of Coach Bradley? And, um, and Mike McQuarrie says no. Uh, only that he had. I can't remember if it was one night or one morning, but that Greg had come into the office, white as a ghost, and said he just saw Jerry doing something to a boy in the shower, and that's it. That's all he ever told me. So then the question becomes, do you believe Mike McQuarrie? Greg Schiano, um eventually put out a statement um, on his social media. I saw it uh, in several places, but his social media direct response. He said in response to media reports, from earlier today, I never saw any abuse, nor had any reason to suspect any abuse during my time at Penn State. So we asked the question earlier, do you believe Joe Paterno or this 14-year-old victim from 1976? And now do you believe Mike McQuarrie or do you believe Greg Schiano? Yeah, and that's... That's tough. What, first of all, <laughs> what an incredibly like difficult position that you are putting people in to yes. have to do that. Um, I mean, and, and again, like people, I, again, I don't know that it's, I'm going to say it's a natural response, but that doesn't mean it's a good response. I think it's an incredibly bad response, but people go, well, time distorts memories. There's ulterior, you know, ulterior motives for people wanting to come out with things. I don't see what anyone benefits at all from this, except, you know, potentially Greg Schiano, you know, kind of covering his own ass a little bit, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, that is such a difficult thing to parse and, who I mean again, like Mike McQuarrie doesn't get anything from this no. really, mm -mm. and you know obviously the victim doesn't. You know just simply reporting what happened to him that's horrible. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you you don't want to believe that Greg Shannon would be this stupid to like lie about that because obviously that would implicate him in a lot of you know possibly you know law related stuff. So yeah. it's I don't know. I, I think this is something that's going to continue to play out. I, I this is not over. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, I'm sure Gene Smith and yeah. all the powers to be at Ohio State are tearing their hair out right yeah. now because I'm sure that they, you know, kind of, I'm guessing that when they hired Greg Schiano, it was probably simple as, you know, Urban Meyer coming to them and go, this is my buddy, this guy's a great coach, yep. let's do it. And there was no vetting process. I'm sure they didn't even have to imagine that they would need one or require one. Well, he was on the record about uh, this earlier, too. I mean, it, Yeah, you know, right, so, and basically saying he wasn't that's involved. That's right. So, I mean, they in, for, in terms of what was known publicly, even if they had vetted, he would have come through clean on that front. Right. Yeah, and that was the thing. So, and, you know, his he... <laughs> He tweeted out a response that was his official response mm -hmm. to the uh, media reports. He said that I never saw any abuse nor had any reason to suspect any abuse during my time at Penn State, yeah. which, you know, that's about as clear as you can get. Uh, it also sounds, you know, extremely 
uh, official and lawyerly-like. Sure. But, yeah, and typically, you know, I don't know. My, my feeling on it is if there's a guy who you're not worried about anything, doesn't necessarily come out with the the lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, legally speak in a, in a tweet. But, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. It, it's just, it's odd. Like I said, I think it's going to continue to play out. Uh, and I'm sure that the athletic department is super excited about. Well, and now they got to deal with it. You know, right. there's two parts of this. Um, number one, it's it's so difficult for me, Johnny, to and I don't know Greg Schiano at all. Um, I he came after I had left Columbus, and so uh, I did. I don't know him at all. I don't. I don't even know anybody who's covered him, frankly, whether yeah. in Tampa or New Jersey. I don't know anybody who has a connection to this guy. Uh, I know he's a rising star. Everybody thought he was predetermined that he was going to end up. Uh, at Penn State and replaced Paterno at some point. That was kind of like the gig he was waiting for, and then that never happened. And now he's our defensive co coordinator, and so and he makes a lot of money. And so that's what I know about the guy. Um, but it would be very difficult, I guess, for me to believe that anybody who was on that staff during that time when Sandusky was there would know nothing. Um, or not have heard anything because I actually remember before all of this, uh, you know, all came out, there were whispers about Sandusky. There were whispers about things going on at Penn state before that in, in, in college football circles, nothing to this extent, nothing to this extent, but there was always a, a suspicious eye because of their location, because it was a very tough place for anybody who, if anybody wanted to investigate them, it's very, almost impossible to get there. Uh, well, it's almost impossible for point, somebody to, to to get anybody yeah. to speak against the university there because it's I want to say something. I want to, I'm going to interrupt you real right. quick. Yeah. I'm sorry about no, no. I'm sorry about that, but I just want to say something real quick. To that point, uh, I was talking to the beat writers and stuff today about like the mandatory reporting yeah. and whatnot. Um, if you want to get any kind of information from Penn State, it is extremely right. extremely difficult uh, because of how they've kind of set up some of their stuff. And for instance, freedom of like freedom of freedom of information act requests yeah. uh, typically are denied because they're not considered a state entity, which makes no sense right. whatsoever. The, the state of Pennsylvania has been able to work around, I guess, the laws and essentially say that we're not technically affiliated with Penn State University, right. um, which to me is is crazy talk. Yeah. But they've been able to manipulate the law in the state of Pennsylvania for that. It's extremely convenient because this has just taken an effect in the last couple of years. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, to your point, it definitely seems extremely insular, you know, circling the wagons kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is, is really all the worst qualities I know. of big-time college sports. Like, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Yeah. And the lack of transparency is extremely frustrating. It is. Um, and it's, it's one thing that we – you know, covering you know whether you love it as a fan or covering it for as long as I did in the South, and then later at you know at Ohio State for the years that I covered there, it's it's some it's the part of it that isn't it's the unseemly part, it's the um, the underbelly, if you will, and the truth of it is that it is incredibly big business, and right. and that's the root of it that there's a tremendous sum of money, and as much as we love uh, the purity of a noon kick at the horseshoe, there's a lot that happens between that. Getting to that point, and there's a lot of a lot of muck you got to trudge through to get there. And I think, right. you know, when you, for me to put my, there's, I'm not, I'm not, I would never say, I'm not going to sit here and say, Shiano's a liar. I'm not going to say McQuarrie's a liar. It'd be ridiculous for me to say that. That's a that is a hot take, nonsense. Let's argue. Yeah, about none of us have any information, and no one knows anything. And and the only people that know exactly what happened are those people. And it's going to be a he said right. he said situation. In most cases. Right. And the, the thing I will say, though, is is when you were talking about Gene Smith and you're talking about Ohio State, you, you better believe Urban has is going to have to go to Big Ten Media Days. Right. And this question yep. will be asked. And it's a fair question. Um, and it will be asked when it came to the vetting and the hiring of Greg, Greg Schiano. Did you ask about the, the way that he was hired? Did you ask about his time at Penn State? It's a fair question. Mm-hmm. And now Urban's going to have to answer for it. And it's probably going to be the most difficult question that he's going to have to uh, that he's had to handle right. so far. I mean, he, and he's had to deal with you know incidents and things yeah. like that with Carlos Hyde and you know some other things that have happened with with you know even domestic stuff. Yeah. But this by far, I just think with the implications yeah. of it, the fact that it's a much larger story at another university that is now you know kind of leached into Ohio State a little bit. Buddy, uh, he also reveres Paterno. Yeah, reveres yeah. him. Which is Urban crazy, does. but yeah, absolutely. But we all did. I mean, Joe was 
this harmless guy doing it right. I mean, that's like really right. this is one of the most shocking. I mean, honestly, to me, if if you if you want to compare the two, it's very similar for, on a shock scale. Um, when the information first hit, as O.J. Simpson. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like when, no, I think it's definitely on par. It's with on that. par with that, right? Like when you heard this about that, this is going to Penn State and Joe may have known. Almost it makes right. sense. And the same thing about if you go back to O.J. Simpson when you first found out about that. Like, wait a second, the guy from the Hertz commercials killed his <laughs> wife? Like, this doesn't even – are you kidding me? Like, he's so yeah. lovable. And the, the reality is, is we are – images are, are thrust upon us, especially in that era where there wasn't 24-7 media, there wasn't social media, not everybody had a camera phone, not all the information got out. Things were much easily – much more easily hid. In that time, you could get away with a lot – and, and it wasn't known. And it appears at Penn State they got away with, um, for many, many years, hiding one of the most heinous things that I, I think anybody could ever imagine. Uh, and you know what? And, and I was thinking about that, too, with perception and image and, and how it's, it's brought about. And I was thinking back to the, I think it was the Orange Bowl that Penn State, it was in the mid-2000s that um, Penn State was playing against Florida State. I covered it. Right? I was there. Yeah, and I'm thinking like, ah, oh, Bobby Bowden, snake oil yep. salesman. I hate this guy. Yep. He's the worst. Yep. Why can't he be more like Joe Paterno? Oh, right. All shucks, Joe Paterno. It's like you never again, especially if you're just a fan, and or even if you're you know one of us, and we don't really know the guys. Like it truly is reality is just your your perception, right? It really, like is. you assume yeah. that's 100 percent true, and there's that's who that person is, and it's. You can't change your mind unless you're presented with something crazy like this. And, and that is, to me, like just mind-blowing. Because I think about that. I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, I can't believe Bobby Bowden still hasn't you know, been fired. He hasn't been fulmered, you right. know. And at the same time, you've got Joe Paterno who is still continuing to allow Jerry Sandusky to have camps, you know, and stuff like that is at his uh, program. And it's just, it blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. When you think about what he was doing with those, you know, those kids, uh, it's 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 one of the most sad stories in, in the history, you know, really the most sad stories in the history of America. It's on that list. I mean, it's just a disgusting thing that happened. And, um, you know, the, I, the next thing would be, you know, okay, so what now? I don't know what now, guys. I can't tell you. I don't know how this is going to shake out uh, with Shiano and Ohio State. My guess is that it, that it will slowly kind of go away. Um, it will it'll fire back up again when Urban has to answer for it at Big Ten Media Day. Uh, just to give you an idea how the media cycle works, it'll fire back up again when Shiano has availability, and Urban's great in this regard. All of his assistants talk at some point during camp, so Shiano will talk during camp. Um, he'll try to deflect the questions. The reporters will continue to ask them. That's how that'll play out. Um, and my guess is after that, everybody will be satisfied because what are you going to do? You're going to say you don't believe him? I mean, you hired him. <laughs> right. So, I mean, the, you know, you're going to say you believe him and you're going to roll with him. Um, and so that's kind of the way that it is. As for Penn State, you know, I, I don't know if they ever recover, and I don't really care if they ever recover. Um, it's yeah. a shame that everybody who's there, that pro- there are probably a lot of great people there. And I loved going over there a couple of years ago and covering It's an amazing place to watch a football game. Um, but it's a shame that this happened, such a shame, for so long. Bo, I want to talk about that real quick, actually, because that was the other thing I was thinking about today. After the Penn State, you know, sanctions came out, the yeah. NCAA sanctions, and, and people were talking about it, and I think a couple of years passed, mm-hmm. and people are like, well, you know, maybe it was a little too harsh. Sure. Maybe we should roll back some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should reinstate some of Joe Paterno's wins. I was one of the people that thought it was too harsh. Not, yeah, not in terms and, of taking away Paterno's wins or those things, sure. but taking it in terms of punishing the kids who were there. Right. So, again, so what I'm thinking is, at what point do you go, what has happened is so heinous that the kids are just going to have to take a hit? Because, in my opinion someone is going to be punished. If, if you truly want to make an example of the program and say what is acceptable and what is unacceptable, or what is unacceptable, someone is going to be caught in the crossfire. And that's going to suck for them. Yeah. But at, at what point do you go, I have to make an example here? Well, and I think because, if you go back to that time, I think that that's why they took the penalties they took. I mean, if you remember that time in that investigation, they basically said, yes, sir, may I have another when it came to the punishment the NCAA handed down. And the, right. the thinking behind that was when you talk to people around the program was, that if we don't take this, we're going to get the death penalty. Right. Like, that's, that, that's why they signed up for that. I mean, what they signed up for was one of the most harsh penalties the NCAA has ever handed down. Um, my feeling on it at the time was that this wasn't an NCAA matter, that it was a civil matter and um, sure. a state of Pennsylvania matter and that the, the proper people needed to be punished. Um, I c- you can go either way. I, I, I can certainly see your point how 
you know, they don't deserve to play football anymore at Penn State. I mean, I can see that, um, that a lot of people enabled this. But there's probably right. a lot of great people over there that had no idea that this was going on. And, I mean, it's a – this is – it's a That's what I'm saying. Time, like, at dude. what point does it become so heinous that those people are just – they're still screwed? Like, you have to go, you know what? Right. I mean, this would we be something that you. would dictate that, obviously. Right. Yeah. I, it, it won't happen now. If it was going to happen, it would oh, happen no, a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, they'll never – like I said, that, to me, that the program will never recover, um, nor do I care if they do. Um, I'm just yeah, kind of done. Yeah, I'm not crying any tears for Penn State. No, no. It's, it's just one of the most shocking – uh, turns in sports history. I, it's unbelievable. And so where it goes, it'd be interesting to see. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for Urban, far more interesting than he wanted, I assure you of that, and, and for all those guys involved. Um, you know, the kind of dovetailing off of that and what college football coaches are willing to do for the, for the big prize or to win and um, is, is this story coming out of the SEC Media Days with uh, Jeffrey Simmons and Dan Mullen, the Mississippi State head coach, uh, yeah. You knew a lot more about this story than I did. Um, this was a go ahead and fill the people in if they're not sure about what who Simmons is or how we got to this point. Um, yeah. Give me a little bit of the background on it. So Jeffrey Simmons is a is a recruit uh, for Mississippi State, and he was basically shown on video punching a woman several times in a fight from March, um, just just beating the absolute crap out of this woman in just a really horrible manner. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up enrolling in Mississippi State during the summer. He received a one-game suspension for what he did, but he was not removed from the team. Uh, Dan Mullen didn't block his entry to the team or anything like that. Uh, basically, and this is his quote, I think when you have a situation like that happen, you have to do a great deal of investigation. <laughs> we did a massive investigation to everything and talked to all kinds of people, not rushing to judgment on a short video, and investigated every aspect of the situation. When we went through all that, I think everybody involved uh, in looking at it felt he deserved an opportunity to go to college, get an education, try to better his life. Look, this is my point. Mm -hmm. He can still do all of those things, right? Yeah. But not at Mississippi State. And Dan Mullen, if you want to, like, have the conviction to say, you know what, this is unacceptable, we don't condone any of these things from any of our players, that's where you draw that line. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, he he can have an education. He can still go to college. You probably shouldn't be given the privilege to play football after doing that. But my point is, is that for Dan Mullen, he is clearly saying, you know what? My job security means more than protecting women at Mississippi State from potentially having to deal with this guy on campus. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm catching up on this story. And so I'm reading this uh, apology that Simmons issued on this. And um, from everything I'm gathering on it, uh, this was a... Uh, a woman uh, is in a family situation. Um, he right. claims that the woman hit him after he, or he, he hit the woman after she made remarks about a dead family member um, is, is what he had said. Um, uh-huh. My apology goes out to the Taylor family, especially Sophia Taylor. What was I thinking? Honestly. Okay. Um, listen, like I have three little boys, right? You don't hit a girl ever. Right. You don't hit a girl ever. Like ever. Like done. I, there's no, I don't even give, I don't give a damn what the next line is. That's the end of the line is you don't hit a woman. Um, and so, especially in any scenario, let alone being as, as big as Mr. Simmons is, I think what right. happens in college football in places like Mississippi State, here's the problem. There's many problems. But Mississippi State's boosters, uh, alumni, fans, believe that Mississippi State could be Auburn. Right. They believe they could be Tennessee. Right. And so that's... That's the difference. The biggest difference between the SEC and any other conference in the country is the low-hanging fruit in that league believes they can win a national title. They believe they have everything they need to win a national title, from facilities to talent, coaching, so forth and so on. They pay their coaches like they expect to win national titles. Nobody at Purdue expects Purdue to win a national title. But at Mississippi State, they believe it. Okay. Yeah. So Dan Mullen is in a position at Mississippi State where – He's in the state with Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze, where they're recruiting like game busters, illegally it appears. Um, and he's got to keep up with the Joneses. And his people feel like he needs to keep up with Alabama and Auburn and Ole Miss and everybody else. And, and so that's probably, not probably, that's why this kid's enrolled. He's enrolled because he's talented. And they gave him a yeah. chance because he's talented. And it, He's a 12th-ranked defensive absolutely. end nationally, and they won. That's right. And you know what? That goes beyond... Uh, the, the sports realm that that happens in the business life as well. If you're very good at your job, you have much more leeway than those that aren't. Um, 
Dan Mullen had the ability to say no thanks. Yeah. He's got enough equity in that job. The pressure to him to win there is not I mean, he's delivered a lot. He's done better than anybody's yeah. ever done. No, that. I think he's got job security. Absolutely. He, he, he doesn't have job security where he doesn't have to say yes to this. Absolutely kid. not. He did not. He wanted to take him because he makes his football team better. Um, right. And we've seen it all over the place. I think um, if you were to hook Urban Meyer up to a lie detector test when he was at the University of Florida and ask him if he took kids that he shouldn't have, he would say yes. And I think he's even on record as saying that, that he's made that some of the decisions that he made at Florida he would not do over again um, because you took some kids that maybe you, didn't, maybe you shouldn't have taken. Um, and this was an example of that with Mullen. It's silly. Um, it, there's the, the gain for it is so minimal. Um, and yet it's going to probably continue to happen. And the thing that is a little scary to me is how much of this stuff was going on before camera phones and we never knew about it. I mean, that, I mean, that's a societal thing, right? right? Exactly. We're dealing with all kinds of things that we know about as a result of cameras being everywhere. And and that's and that's a you know people tend to make this assumption that if we didn't see it it didn't happen, and I want people to understand that this kind of stuff and I I'm referring to everything related to things that we record on our phones now you know fights and whatnot sure. uh, that's always been happening absolutely it's just that now we have access to watch it and people are getting outraged which is the right response you should be upset about yes. this kind of stuff and we should be dealing with it the right response is not. As Dan Mullen said when he said if it was a member of your family on the ground, I don't know. I don't think it would be my family. I don't deal in hypotheticals. So really, um, but anybody, I mean, in the video, I don't know that my family would be in that situation, to be honest with you. Yeah. Don't You don't wash your hands that way. No. Because by just saying, like, well, it, it wouldn't be me. There's no way it could be my family. You're trying to divorce yourself from the fact that it could happen to anybody. You, this this doesn't just have to be a personal thing between two families. This could be one of your players going out and punching a woman in the bar, possibly, or assaulting their girlfriend at their uh you know at their apartment. Yeah. And for you not to be able to put yourself in that situation or someone else's shoes, that to me signals a, an extreme lack of empathy and really just somebody who should not be making those types of decisions about how people should be punished for doing that kind well, of Well, but if you listen to Dan Mullen, he didn't make those decisions. Here's his quote right, from SEC right. Media. Out of his hand. I, out of his hand. I wasn't involved as much. It was a university sure. decision, but I was just thrilled we're having Jeffrey as part of our family coming in. Uh, so he, he lied there. He knocked the door like timidly like a mouse and said, yeah. what's going on with them? I don't know. Yeah. What's up with old Jeffrey? Yeah, like, if, if you really believe that, um, listen, there's, right. and this goes for our guy. It goes for every the, the, a big-time college football coach is the most powerful man on any college campus as long as he's winning. 100%. And Absolutely. and that don't matter. I, I damn, Dan Mullen was driving the bus on that decision, just as any no coach kidding. would be that, that has his power and cachet. Um, yeah. You know, where it goes, I mean, this in terms of the Simmons kid, you will continue to, you know, he's got a strike, but these kids get a lot of strikes. I mean, they get too many. They strikes. get a lot of strikes, buddy, and it's it's way too many. And their talent makes people makes all of us probably overlook uh, what happens. And these incidents, the the only thing that I think is good of all of this is that now this stuff is documented and we can see it, and there's no more hiding and there's no more cover up. I mean, the cover up's right. done. The the camera phone has essentially. The, the cover up is over because it's right. all out there now, um, and I think that's awesome. And I think yeah, that is. And awesome. I honestly, fans need to be real honest with themselves and say, to what point am I willing to accept poor behavior from my football team? And I don't mean like getting out and getting drunk or doing something stupid, no, like not college know, stuff. From, yeah, not stupid college stuff. And again, like drinking, driving is terrible, but does it make you an awful person? Probably not. If you continue to do it, it does. But if you do it once, it's a horrible thing that you did. But I'm not going to continue to the fires of hell. Right. But but do you allow someone who, yeah, he's a little rough with his girlfriend. Do you allow someone who, yeah, he shouts maybe racial slurs or something at somebody. You've got, like, we have to really, really be serious with ourselves and say, do we want a team that's going to win at all costs with whatever players we can come up with? Or are we going to draw a line and say, you know what? It's okay if we lose a star player because we're not going to have that on our team. And I look, I'm the kind of guy who's like, if we lose a bunch of starters because they are horrible people and they're beating up women and they're all this stuff, fine. I don't care. I'd rather lose five, six, seven games than win with a bunch of guys who are going to go out there and do horrible things to people. My hope is that the majority of people would fall in line with what you said, 
the but they the, might not. the reality is I doubt they do. Yeah. Um. And so this will be something that it's not going away because, like I said, with the with the ability to monitor with the phones, this will continue to be documented and happen. And then it'll be up to our college football coaches to decide, and not just them. I mean, basketball, all of it, all our athletic coaches oh, on yeah, college absolutely. campuses, and then pros go from there. Um, how we're going to deal with it. And um, to me, and I think universally, we would all say that Dan Mullen handled this incredibly poorly. My guess is it doesn't yeah. play that way in Stark Vegas, um, no. but but that's the way that it that it plays. I'm guessing around the country. Um, let, you know what? Go ahead. One last yeah. thing. Sorry, no, I, just, I was thinking about this too. So with the with the phone thing and the fact that there are cameras everywhere and everybody has access to this, I feel that you have a lot of coaches right mm-hmm. in their fifties and sixties who grew up in an era where we didn't have any of these phones. We didn't have oh, like instantaneous. Imagine? like Twitter and Snapchat and stuff, they are so far stuck. They're like teachers, basically, because I, I, I work with a lot of very like progressive young teachers who know all the technology, but I've worked in other schools where you've got teachers are in the 60s and 70s. They don't understand the Twitters mm-hmm. and the Snapchats and the Instagrams. I think you've got a lot of coaches who still fully do not understand the ramifications of what social media can do to their program and to their reputations if they want to try to play it the old way, which is deny, 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 circle the wagon, circle the wagons, because that will ruin their careers at some point. And I don't think they realize that. They have not caught up to technology. I think that that's why it's so important um, at a place, you know, like for us, we, you know, Pantone's, I I call him ambassador of cool, but I mean, guys like (laughs) that, that that understand and work hard to understand how this new generation, because I don't get it. I'm in my late 30s. I don't know what in the hell is, is a Snapchat is, and I'm I'm not on it. I, I'm sure right. maybe it's cool. I have no idea. Um, but but yeah, there's it, it's a technology. That conti- this stuff continues to come at you. So I mean, I think of my dad who's in his late 60s, and you know, like if I tried to explain to him, you know, like even what Twitter was, you know, I, it's nuts. So of course these coaches, this is one last thing they want to. They don't want to deal with this, right? Right. And and if you right. take it full circle to Paterno in those days. Oh, Those God. things could go behind closed doors, and the door was shut, and it was over, and there's no way for that information to get out. And the only Joe thing Paterno coached at a time where people still sent telegrams to each other. Right. I mean, the only thing that, that is good coming the, – the best thing that comes of this is that this type of stuff will be exposed. And so right. if, if you are a bad dude and you do bad stuff, we're going to find out about it. And, and then it's up to coaches to do the right thing. Mullen didn't do the right thing in this case. Um, no. Some more lighthearted fare as we, uh, as we go down the back nine here, my friend. Um, SEC Media Days is this week. Yes. So I used to do a daily radio show in Columbus, and I used to do television on a daily basis. And this week is death week. Okay. <laughs> so what happens this week on radio is Mount Rushmore of Ohio State running backs and um, right, if, you, right. if you could win any championship for your team, what would it be and where? And if you could go to any sporting event, um, what's your bucket list sport? I mean, that's Sports right. Talk Radio this week because there's nothing. So what does the SEC <laughs> do? And I'm so jealous of them, of this. They throw their media day this week. Right. And they own the coverage. They have ESPN down there. might be hurting there. a little bit, right? What's that? Because no, no OBC. They're going to be hurting a little bit because there's no, you know, OBC out there. Headball but... coach isn't there, so that's yeah. uh, that's a little bit of that's a bit of a shot. Um, but they're going to get all of the exposure from ESPN. The 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 baseball All Star game being played tonight, as we're taping this, that's over, and then the next two days will be SEC football all over ESPN for the next two days, all over every yeah. platform. All the shows ESPN does all day long with two people arguing, they're going to put a coach in the middle of them and they're going to argue around it. So the the amount of exposure they get is invaluable. And I don't understand. It's like the Big Ten to me is this beautiful girl it, that doesn't realize what it is. Like <laughs> you've got to understand who you are. In the meantime, the SEC is getting everything out of their looks and by doing it this week. And they own the week. And you've got to tip your hat to them. Uh, because they saw it, they identified this week. It's absurd to do it at this time of year. I mean, you're still a right. full month from the start of camp, and but it gets them all the eyeballs. They've got all the like eyeballs, all and you, I'm jealous of them uh, because of the way that they do it. Well, and not only that, but there's just so much going on. I mean, obviously, you know, now with the Mullen thing, it's, yeah. it's huge. In general, there's always just some crazy thing going on in the SEC, and if you can fill that dead period, you know, in the, the heat of the offseason with, you know, people saying crazy stuff at media days or somebody badgering Nick Saban about something he doesn't want to talk about, I, you know, I just, I agree with you. It's a crazy spectacle, and I've always wanted to go just to the Big Ten, even though that one's, you know, a lot more low-key, but 
I just feel like the the SEC media days are a complete circus. Yeah, it is. And in the best way for them because it you know it makes them look even more important than they already are. Oh, they, yeah, they. I mean, the, the like it's like I was saying with the Mullen thing about how people at Mississippi State believe that they should win a national title. That's the way everybody in the SEC feels, except for Vanderbilt. <laughs> I mean, everybody <laughs> right. else feels like they should be competing for national champ. They think they're entitled to it. And so yeah. when you go to their media day, these enormous throngs, um, much similar to like an Ohio State media throng, which is one of the biggest in the country, they show up for every institution. Every place yeah. down there thinks they got a shot to win a national title. And so when media day happens in Hoover, Alabama, and it's just a scene, man. I mean, it's a real scene. And they, I got to tip my hat to them. Um, they do that right, and they schedule the first week of college football. Nobody handles the start of the college football season and the run-up to the college football season like the SEC. And I wish we in the Big Ten would figure it out. Anybody who listened to me on the radio knows that my feelings on Jim on Delaney, and I know he's bringing right. a lot of money for everybody, but his inability to see, in my view, the potential of the Big Ten, whether it's with the additions you know, of Rutgers in Maryland and some of the short-sighted things that they've done there. Um, but the way the SEC – you and I were talking before we started. This is their week one. Right, this is week yeah. one of college football. No NFL, and it goes all the way through August. Yeah, this yeah. So they've got this in the middle of July to talk about them, and now this will be the buildup for the whole month of August, and then the first week where there's no NFL. All right, so the, I'll just give you the national television games on Thursday. That first Thursday night, they're playing. They're playing two games. They're playing Appalachian State at Tennessee, so nothing there. But then they've got South Carolina Vanderbilt. Well, it's not a great game, but everybody's so thirsty for college football that Thursday before Labor Day that the whole world will be talking about it. Everybody will watch, right? All right, right, so this is their Saturday slate, the first weekend. Missouri, West Virginia, UCLA, Texas A&M, LSU, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, I'm sorry, USC and Alabama, and Clemson and Auburn. Everybody except for Kentucky, Florida, and Arkansas plays somebody. And then, yeah. coming off of that, my friend, they play Monday night Ole Miss, Florida State. They will own... The second week of July, they will own the month of August, and they will own the first weekend in college football when all of the guys are on it. And that's the thing, because you're absolutely right about that. And not only that, but, you know, all the criticism that the SEC takes for maybe their their mid-season out-of-conference opponents and whatnot, where they're playing like Howard and whatever, no one cares at that point because they've already... exactly right. They've built so much momentum right. in the first couple weeks of the season that no one gives a crap anymore. Nobody outside of us pays attention to who they play the week before the rivalry games. Right. They always play the cupcakes the week before the rivalry games. In the meantime, you know, Ohio State's playing Michigan State a week before playing Michigan. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. a simple and, well, switch. Well, and then here's the other thing that I want to point out. The Big Ten, right? You want to talk about, you know, first schedule, first week here. Yeah. Uh, the biggest out-of-conference game is Wisconsin versus LSU, but again, that's an SEC opponent. Right. Um, but the the matchups here, Indiana is playing Florida International. Minnesota is playing Oregon State, which that's is pretty bad. good for them. That's actually not bad. Them, yeah. Michigan State is playing Furman. Uh, Purdue is playing Eastern Kentucky. Maryland is playing Howard. Northwestern is playing Western Michigan. Michigan is playing Hawaii, which might have been fun you know, 15, right. 20 years ago. Uh, Ohio State is playing Bowling Green. Rutgers is at Washington, which is actually decent for them. But uh, aside from that, you've got uh, Kent State, Miami, Ohio, Murray State, and Fresno State. That's that's it. the opening line. That can't be that way. You got to have no. a couple of your guys playing games. I mean, Gene Smith, I, I've, Gene Smith and Ohio State. I, I think it would be so beneficial of them to address this in the future, because your losses early in the season are so often forgiven, um, and it would be so cool to have Ohio like. For Ohio State to open at Oklahoma, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be well, amazing. And then think, think about Virginia Tech, too. Right. I mean, that was that was gangbusters, right? Was like, that was amazing. You're right. Yeah. And they, they need more of that. They do. And the rest of the league needs to follow it. Um, it. You just have to tip your hat to those guys because they get – they are like Don King, really. The SEC is Don <laughs> yeah. King, as crazy as that sounds uh, when you think of the juxtaposition <laughs> there. They are Don King in that yeah. they are the ultimate promoters. By the way, real Go quick, ahead. you want second second week, week two, Maryland's playing Florida International, Nebraska's uh, playing Wyoming, Penn State's playing Pittsburgh, Michigan's playing UCF, uh, Purdue's playing Cincinnati, Rutgers is playing Howard, Minnesota's playing Indiana State, Northwestern's playing Illinois State, uh, Ohio State's uh, playing Tulsa, Akron's playing Wisconsin, Ball State, 
uh, North Carolina, fine, and then Iowa State. So right. basically worse. Yeah, there's nothing. Too. And the SEC comes back with week two. They, they, that's kind of where everybody, nobody plays anybody. Although, right. actually, you know what? I say that, and South Carolina plays Mississippi State, so you get a conference game. Arkansas yep. plays TCU in week two, and Tennessee plays Virginia Tech in primetime. So the first yeah. two weekends of college football, the SEC owns it. we got to deal with it. It sucks. It is what it is. But the only way that it can get solved is if, you know, the first thing is we have to identify that there's a problem. So we need Jim Delaney to understand that there's a problem and it has to be adjusted. Um, but you gotta, yeah. you got to own that stuff. Yeah, week three, I mean, week three looks great. Nebraska's playing Oregon. Uh, Michigan State's playing Notre Dame. Ohio State's playing Oklahoma. Right. I mean, those are those are good games. Yeah. Those should be bumped. They Those need to go way, yeah. way earlier in the season. Right, because at that point, you're into the NFL season. Our, right. our attention span is all over the place at that point. Um, that, that, there's nothing like Labor Day weekend is college football. And yeah. we're missing an opportunity to own it because we're just giving it to the SEC. And we're giving yeah. this nonsense week in July to the SEC like they own it. Right. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. So we're going to have to fight. I mean, when is it? Big Ten Media Day is the end of the month, usually. Uh, uh, it's coming up. I forget yeah. exactly what. They actually announced um, who's going to be. We've got some inkling. I don't know if they've announced it, but we have some inkling who's going to be Ohio, uh, for Ohio it'll State. Be Caps, it's pretty much, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty Outline, much huge. JT so. and Raekwon, right? I'm sure it'll be those guys. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically the assumption that we're going with. I mean that's that's pretty clear. Yeah. So yeah. So that'll be great. But it, you know, at that point there will be other. You know, you'll be at the baseball trade deadline. The NFL camps will be about to start to open. I mean, you won't sure. own it. You won't own that week. Right. And this week you own the SEC owns it. Um, Delaney needs to hire me as like his you know brain or something. Like I don't know what the <laughs> hell he's doing over there. But he makes a lot of money, so you got to tip your hat to him for that. Let's do some uh, in brief quick hitters, my friend. Speaking of Ohio State, you mentioned uh, the captains going over there. Were you? I was a little surprised. I shouldn't be because the guys in Vegas, they're, they're smart people. But I was a little surprised that JT was the number two choice for Heisman. It makes sense to me because of the showcase games he's going to play, because of how good I believe that he will be, and because of how good I think Ohio State's going to be this year. Yeah. I was a little surprised when you've got Fournette and Cook and McCaffrey and, and all these players. I, I was surprised that JT was the number two choice. But he was the number two choice right now in Bovada. I think it's a stats thing. I think a lot of times what they do with the the you know the the betting lines and things like that, especially with rewards, is they really just want to see who's going to rack up the most numbers. Yeah. And I think they just believe that JT is going to have overwhelming numbers for a marquee team like Ohio State, and that's what's going to push him up there. I I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what happens with him this year. He's he's really going to have to do some work with his wide receiving core. Um. I think he may regress a little bit. I, I mean, obviously last year was a huge just mess in general yeah. in terms of the quarterback situation, but um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens, especially with the the running game and seeing how that complements what he can do. People, again, all the respect and earned, rightly, that Braxton Miller got for his running ability. I mean, the dude is mind-bendingly good at running the football. Right. Uh, J.D. Bear is no slouch. No, he's really uh, deceptive. Dude, yeah, he he is – Definitely accumulated quite a bit of um, uh, yards, and, and his, his ground prowess, I think, is not something to be underestimated. So I, I really think it's a stats thing. I think that's why he's being so heavily promoted for that, at least along the, the betting line. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they get mar- a lot of marquee games, marquee games late on the schedule. Um, if you believe in Ohio State, you're going to believe in their quarterback. If Ohio State's going to have a good year, Barrett's going to have to be great. I think both will happen. I think Ohio State's going to have an amazing year. I saw the over-under was nine. I mean, to me, that's stealing. I think they'll, they get sleepwalked <laughs> to 10 and 2 uh, this yeah. year. And um, I think JT is going light, to be lights out. So um, I think he'll be what he was two years ago. And I think he'll bring those young guys along, and I think they'll rely on his arm. Um, I, I really think he's in for a special season, so it makes sense to me. Uh, speaking of making sense, Michigan and Notre Dame back on the schedule. I love this. Uh, yeah. I love seeing those two helmets, left. right? Yeah. It makes me envious because I wish we had something like that. I wish we had like a secondary rival. I would love if Ohio State played, you know, USC every year or every other year or something. Uh, that seems to be the one that always kind of jumps out to me that would make a lot of sense. Texas is another one. Um, I'm envious because I wish we had a game like that. Um, but I'm excited that those two are playing. Yeah, same. I mean, and I think maybe we can try to start something like that with a lot of the marquee uh, big time opponents that are coming up. I mean, Oklahoma, I think would actually be a really cool fit. That's another one, yeah. Do that. 
um, on a regular basis. But yeah, I agree with you. I think Ohio State would greatly benefit from something like that. And I, I don't understand why they stopped it in the first place with Notre Dame and, and Michigan. I mean, that was that's silly. Those are I, those are some of the best games, you know, Michigan games that I remember, just in terms of drama yeah. and interest. Like those are excellent. Wasn't that it was, the pizza guy who did it? I can't. Yeah, I can't. Was it Dave Brandon the one who? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he did. What a disastrous um, a tenure! Terrible ideas. What a disastrous tenure that was for Jesus. I mean, I don't. Again, I'm I don't read him better so much, but <laughs> everybody should read their takedown of Dave Brandon because it is glorious. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable what he was allowed to do unfettered up there. Um, so the other thing that's uh, that I was been out there since the last time we talked was there have been rumblings that potentially Steve Spurrier could be an eventual fit on college game day replacing Corso. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's been officially announced if Corso is going to be done or not, um, but it it has to be coming quickly. I mean, the health is what the health is. And they made the transition to Reese Davis as the host. Um, right. Having covered the head ball coach, you know, kind of three or four times a year for seven years, uh, he would be one of the most entertaining human beings uh, ever on that show. He would probably make you mad a lot, <laughs> but he has no filter. He's incredibly entertaining. His jabs at Georgia and Tennessee would last a lifetime, and um, I would love to see it. I think he'd be a great fit on it. He's older than you think. He looks phenomenal, but he's in his late oh, 60s. Um, right. So he's older than you think, but I would love to see it. Yeah, I here's the thing with Spurrier. I, I think he would be a great replacement for Corso. I really only have two requirements to get me to start watching College Game Day again because I tend to avoid it like the play. So you're out. Okay. To me, it's like I I kind of put it in the category with like the TNT inside the NBA show, like – I, I I just I, I think it's great. It. Okay, that's fair. I can't watch it because it's 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 all fluff. Like to me, like there's so it's not all. Fluff, there's a lot of, fluff. but the amount of patience required to watch the stuff that it, that is actually worthwhile is just it's too much for me. It's a three hour show. Yeah, no, to watch. in for that? I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's a three hour show to watch twenty minutes of content. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, and they also need to bring back the uh, Bubba Sparks theme song and get rid of big and rich because that that's driving me up a that was but, that is crazy when those two dudes come out and just start taking you to your city i mean my god that's i can't crazy. i can't deal with that that's i'm done with that i'm over that <laughs> but spurrier would bring me back a little bit i would watch spurrier absolutely yeah he's entertaining i like that as well uh do you want to well uh do you want to do thrones we should, real quick yeah last, spend a lot real of time quick. spend like a minute on it okay we'll do quick this is the only real quick. your book reader i've only watched the show yeah. What caught me on Thrones, what got me hooked on Thrones was uh, the way the second to last episode of season one ended. And because that set the table that anything could happen. And what's most amazing about this final season of Thrones is that everything that I thought was going to happen did happen. And it was still maybe the best season they've ever done. Right there. It wasn't shocking. It didn't have to be shocking. It was just awesome. It really and- was. A lot of the character work that they had tried to establish last season, I think, came to fruition. This season, I think a lot of the criticism that people gave the previous season was due to the fact that there was no payoff. A lot of people are like, well, what's Sansa needs to get some kind of measure of revenge against this guy. This right. is awful. You can't just have her be the victim for the entire season and then have nothing happen positively to her. And then now you see that where she, like, masterminds things yeah. and it's like, all right. And, yeah, it was cool. It, it, was, it was awesome. The whole thing worked. The King in the North stuff, that was like awesome. I mean, my wife got chills. By the way, crazy. MVP, underrated MVP of the entire season is that twelve-year-old girl, the, the Mormont. Oh my gosh, Lana Mormont, best character in the entire is she season. That cool in the book. She's uh, she's in the book, but her lines are actually given to another young girl from another house, the Manderleys, okay. and she says the same thing. And it's still an awesome moment, right? And her dad has to like kind of pretend like she, he's playing nice with the Boltons in the phrase, so he yells at her a little bit. Nice. And then later on, he says like, "I've never been more proud of her my entire life when she did that." Yeah. And it's still awesome. It's, awesome. A, it's a badass moment in the books. I think it was a badass moment in the show. Yes. It might even made it even better in the show, honestly, because it's making John the King of the North now. Yeah. Yeah. which is awesome. Right. Um, yeah, it was a great season. It was a huge rebound from last season, and I had a lot of problems with last season, but they did a lot of good stuff, including basically ignoring Dorn, which I'm all about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. That suck. Even in the books, it sucks. Yeah. I hate Dorn. Yeah, so uh, it, it, I th- the only thing, now we have two 15 episodes or something like that to wrap this thing up, and the only concern I have is like, you know the only two the only two big bads I see are Cersei and then the uh, Greyjoy dude. Like, yeah, that's kind of it. 
I don't know if either like Cersei, like how, she, how she's no threat, you know, like she's done. I mean, her reign will last 10 seconds. It was badass when she walked in there. Um, I, I love her. I love how she's played the game. Look, looking like Darth Vader. Yeah, she's like... so damn good at playing the game. So I have a lot of respect oh, yeah. for her. I think she's a smoke show. So I'm for all of that. Um, but she has her kingdom is like, what, 20 miles in circumference. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah. The the Tyrells and the uh you know the the Dornish the Martells have hooked up with Danny so they're sailing for Westeros. That was badass too. Which yeah oh yeah that was awesome. Um, I don't know. Basically everything's gonna go bad in King's Landing next season and I think it's gonna happen real quick. Jamie doesn't really trust her anymore. You saw that look yep. that he gave her because she basically used her son's death to yep. you know take power for herself. It's not good. She yeah so. I think, you know, the first couple of episodes probably deal with the fallout from that. J- or, yeah, Cersei is not long for this world. Um, but if you kill her, there's nobody else left. So, I mean, they got to string it along because, it's, you know, like the Night King, he doesn't talk. Yeah. You know, like, and, and they kind of already established the Night he's King. He's a bad guy. We get it. Like, he's the worst guy right. ever, but, like, he's not a character. They're more of a force of nature than anything else, right. right? Like, they're not characters per se. So that'll probably be, like, the big bad at the end for the last, like, four or five episodes. Right. But you're right. I think it's going to be Cersei's probably going to bow out, and then I think it's going to be the Greyjoys, and then they'll bow out. And I got to tell you something, man. This is this is some spoilerly stuff. Spoiler, spoiler. I can't Come even on. say that word. Uh, but George R. R. Martin read a chapter from The Winds of Winter, which is the next book that he's going to put out here, yeah. probably in the next twenty years, probably. Um, and he read a chapter from the perspective of Euron's brother, uh, Damp Hair Arion, who does not appear in the show. Or well, he did, I guess, briefly. He's the one who baptized Euron mm-hmm. in the show. Um, but anyway, the, the chapter is terrifying. He basically makes Euron to be this, like, hell beast from, like, the drowned god who's going to just destroy everything. And he's just okay. this insane psychopath. So okay. I, I think he is another one of the big bads. They'll, they'll establish him a little bit more next season. but They've got a lot of yeah, work to do because he just, like, showed up on do. the scene. Right. He basically just showed up and, like, I hate my brother. Right. I hate everybody. Let's go kill my cousin. Yeah, and he's got a lot of boats to build, so he's got his hands full, <laughs> right. to say the least. Right. All right, we're, we're wrapping it. we got to wrap this thing up. 30 seconds or less. Yeah. Do I need to do Pokemon Go? Uh, only if you join it? Team Mystic. Only if you join Team Mystic. So basically, you walk around outside, okay. and you find Pokemon, and you capture them, which is pretty like cool. On your phone? Yeah, and then you can, like, battle... Well, you can't battle other people, but you can, like, battle gym leaders and stuff. And what's really neat is that there are points of interest, where, you, like, around cities where you can go up to them and it'll give you items and stuff. All so right. it encourages people to walk around, and it's a cool little game. I don't know. I did it on vacation. It was fun. I saw a bunch of neat stuff in Montreal because of it. So I recommend it if you're out and about and just have some time to kill. The Nintendo stock, like, went through the roof with this thing. Like, there's more it users should, on it than probably... Twitter. That blows my mind yeah, already, it's... like, in a week. It's madness. You walk around to one of the areas where there's, like, a lot of Pokemon or a lot of, like, stops, you'll see 15, 20 people just milling around. I got to tell you something. If, you, if you're driving down the street or you're walking around and you see somebody looking at their phone, 90% chance they're playing Pokemon Go. Wow. Or, what what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's great. What, what is going on in this world, my friend? All right, buddy. <laughs> uh, that's been fun. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening. Um, and we'll, we'll be back here again next week because we, I'm not going to get stuck in airports. You're not going to Canada. So right. we'll be here every week. And by the way, yeah. uh, if you have some questions for us, please oh, yeah. ask us something. Send some in to the to the to either the Twitter account yeah. or to one of us. How about that? And nothing's off limits. I, I, That's right. I know you would be – I would answer anything honestly, and uh, I know you would as well, my friend. Absolutely. All right, it's been fun. Good night and good luck, kids. Peace.